Hey, chapter 14, page 181, and that is the topic of the role of the child. Child or chitlin, little crumb snatcher, whatever you want to call it, but that's the final topic uh, that we're on. What? Me, a sinner? But I'm only a child. We all know that when kids come out of the womb, man, they're awesome. I mean, they're good to go. They, they always obey, and it's great. It's a pleasant experience for the rest of your life. I digress. Let's go ahead, and we'll start at the top there. Uh, where he begins his uh, story. In chapter 11, he says, the equipping of the saints, the basics. He said, I relayed the story of my disobedience towards my earthly father that eventually led to some needed what? Chastisement. Is is anybody ever chastised by your parents growing up? A couple times, right? And it's a good thing we don't need to do that with this generation. Yeah, that's part of the problem. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, Let me again, he says, relate this story. If you guys recall this one, he says this. When I was uh, around 10 years old, my dad came home from work one day with a large roll of linoleum flooring. So apparently that's where the linoleum lizard thing came from. We saw earlier. But uh, man, he, anyway, here's what he did. He, his dad was a carpenter. And many times he would bring home things from work that he had taken out of the houses and buildings he was remodeling. The flooring was destined for a kitchen floor. And so he took great care unloading it and laid it on the front porch. Well, if you've ever seen the old thin type of linoleum flooring, you know that sometimes it's... It can break. It's brittle. It's obviously is what he's saying. He's, if you're not careful. After placing it gingerly on the porch, he told all of us children not to touch it and entered the house. For some reason, it looked to me like it would be awfully fun to run along the top of the roll. And so I started to contemplate it into my mind. How many guys would say that's your first mistake? Uh-huh. And he continued on with that. He said, I just finished my rebellious run when the front door opened behind me. You guessed it. My dad had been watching us play out the window and had seen everything. So he invited me. Did your parents ever invite you into a secluded area for your full attention? Undivided? Yeah. He invited me into the bathroom for a brief talk and a firm laid on of hands. Spanky. Uh, I had been openly rebellious against my father's rule. The result was swift retribution. Now that's an interesting word, swift uh, and I think that's key when it comes to discipline. You need to deal with it right then and there. Okay? Don't let it go on. You've got to deal with it right then and there. Okay? Uh, is is a, a side note. But anyway, so, so he said, so did I execute, listen, as a child, did I execute such an openly rebellious act against my father's express command because I was a bad kid? Not necessarily in himself, right? Okay? Uh, it was bad behavior, but did that automatically make him a bad child? No. He says, or was I born good and uh, the act was a result of the negative influences of my environment? No, that's what society says. Again, we'll get to that in a little bit. And did my father chastise me because of some outdated traditional standard of right and wrong? That's what we hear about the Bible, right? It's outdated. You don't do that. Uh, If you do what the Bible says, that's wrong. That's going to hurt the child. And no, or correct answer, Bobby. What's, What's the noise for the correct answer? Ding, 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 ding. Or clap will work too. Or does God's eternal word call me to account for such actions? Okay, and if so, what is my responsibility as a child, okay, before God? And what are my parents' responsibilities, okay? See, this is the issue that's going on here. It's not just, let's learn how those crumb snatchers should act and behave. That's only half of it. The other half of that is as parents of the crumb snatchers, we need to be involved, and guess what? Sometimes you need to discipline. The word that we're going to see in the, throughout this study repeatedly that we need to do to have biblical children is the responsibility lies on us as parents. And the word that is going to be used over and over again, we need to train them. They don't learn obedience automatically. 
I wish they had a can at Walmart that I could feed my kids and it would work. It doesn't work that way. The parent has to get involved. We have to train them, but we have to do it God's way because the world's way doesn't work. Okay, but that's the issue. As parents' responsibilities towards me, in this chapter, we're going to answer those questions. Now, the first debate, okay, and this is where society gets it wrong, and this is where it's getting messed up, just as we saw with the role of men and the role of women in the church, and it's all messed up because people, even Christians, aren't listening to God's version and what he says is what makes for a godly man and a godly woman and how you're supposed to act and behave and treat one another, etc., etc. It's the same thing, man, when it comes to the child. And the big issue that society says uh, that disagrees with right out of the gates is the Bible says that every child comes out of the gate born a what? A sinner. Society says absolutely not. Absolutely not. Society says no, children are born by nature automatically good if you will with a clean slate and it's only the negative influences of life that unfortunately they're surrounded with that starts to impress upon their mind now granted we can have negative influences that lead us into a negative arena right but they they uh, skip over the reason why those negative influences work even in the first place it's the same thing for adults it's because we have a sin nature now we talked about this before i don't want to go into too much for the sake of time but the exciting uh, three, nine circles, I can count, at least sometimes. You got your spirit, you got your soul, and you got your body. Okay, now, uh, um, before the fall of mankind, uh, mankind being a tripart being, we're made up of a spirit, a soul, and a body. A soul is your, your mind, your will, your emotions, okay? That's your personality, who you are, whatever. The soul is that part of you which is eternal, which will eternally be with God, praise God, through Jesus in heaven, or eternally you'll continue to exist apart from Christ in hell. That's the eternal part of you. The Bible says that God created us in his image, morally, certainly, but also spiritually. Why? Because God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So if we're going to have a relationship with God, he gave us a nature like him, spirit, so that we can commune and have a relationship with him, right? Now, that was before the fall of mankind. Everything was great. Things were cool, awesome. But after the fall of mankind, uh, the spirit... Uh, got messed up and that's where god says the day you eat of this the day you disobey me the day you take on a sin nature a rebellious part of you that wants to do it your way instead of god's way okay uh your spirit is going to be uh messed up it's going to die paul says we were dead in our transgressions and sin spiritually dead okay and uh, we inherited this rebellious nature the day that you eat of it you will surely die we know he's talking about a spiritual death there because did Adam and Eve die immediately physically on the spot when they disobeyed God? No. Now, they did die later physically, but we also know he's obviously talking about the day you surely eat of it. That means right then and there, it's a spiritual death too. So now, that's why mankind's so messed up apart from the Spirit of God. Because our only input in life is from a sinful, rebellious nature into our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions. Now, here's what happens after you get saved. This is what the word means, born again. Anathen, from the Greek, literally born from above or born from a higher place. The Holy Spirit, God, from the realm of eternity, the moment that we get saved, we become born again. The Spirit of God comes and guess what? Now we're spiritually alive again, right? And so now, right, that's why all of a sudden when you do read the Bible, it starts to make sense. And there's even a desire to read the Bible. Now there's a desire to, I don't want to sin. Now you might still, as you grow in the process of maturity, but it, you're alive spiritually, okay? That part of you came alive again. That means born again, okay? 
Holy Spirit is your deposit, your guarantee for that. And that's what we're seeing. Now, and so now that tells us the battle that we're in every single day. Uh, we, we, God it tells us as we renew our mind, here's how you should go, here's how you should go, here's how you should go, do this, don't do that, right? We're getting the input from the Spirit. But Paul says, now as a Christian, you're in a war. This is a battle because you still got that sin nature. The sin nature, we don't, the rebellious part of us doesn't go until we get to heaven. So that's why as a Christian, now the battle's on. Now, if you will, you do have, like the cartoons would depict, a good angel and a bad angel. You've got two influences, not just the bad one. Now you've got the good one going, no, 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 don't do that. You know, there's the Holy Spirit, right, as you do that. And so this is the point. So we train our kids, okay, you need to understand the battle that you're in. And part of your battle is you got this old booger of a sin nature that wants to do your own thing. It's called the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I syndrome, okay? And that's what kids come, every person born on the planet since Adam's sin is indwelt with this rebellious nature at the moment of salvation, right? Now, you need to understand that if you're going to train your child in righteousness, right living, God's way. You have to tell them, listen, there's a part of you that uh, you must, by the Spirit of God, master, if you will, or it's going to master you, right? There's a rebellious streak that we have to train you to not follow, okay? Society says, absolutely not. Society shoots it right in the foot from the get-go. It says, nope, 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 kids are, kids are awesome. The kids are good. Right out of the gates, kids are good, okay? Now, let's be honest. What is some proof that we can practically say that uh, kids are a sinner uh, from, uh, right from the get-go. Hand in the cookie jar, okay? Uh, do you guys ever do that? I, gosh, that was back in New York days. Billy did this. He did, I, could, I couldn't believe it, right? It's just one of those things that's so funny, you need to discipline them, but you're trying not to crack up in front of them, right? And it's the old cookie jar thing, right? And you ask them, did you get in the cookie jar like you said you weren't supposed to? And there's 55,000 pieces of crumb all over his lips. It's covered with chocolate. <laughs> no, didn't do it. <laughs> anyways <laughs> right where did that i didn't train him to do that where'd that come from right i don't know about you guys but i never trained my kids uh right out of the gate the first thing the very i mean with the, the first day it was she was still in the hospital rebecca i went over there my first words to her she couldn't speak yet but my first words to her was listen my my little scrumption my beautiful little daughter please repeat after me these words they're very important in life no mine i didn't do that i don't think brandy did either i was watching her okay <laughs> no. where did that come from no. mine, right you have to train your kids to say yes you have to train your kids to share you have to train your kids to not be selfish it's all about me and mine well, that's why the Bible says they're born with a sin nature. Open your Bibles to Psalm 51. It's very clear. And this is just one passage. Psalm 51. Okay. If you're hooked on phonics, how would you pronounce that? Psalm. And uh, <laughs> Psalm 51. Great, uh, awesome cry of uh, uh, repentance here from uh, King David. And uh, let's take a look at what he says here. He says this, uh, verse 1, Psalm 51, he says, Have mercy on me, O God. Okay, notice he's not blaming somebody else. He's taking ownership of it. Have mercy on me, God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. 
Uh, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions. My sin's always before me. Against you, God, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you're judged. Listen, surely I was sinful when? At birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me, he says there. It says, it's just one passage is pretty clear, because that's the sin nature that's being transferred, unfortunately, ever since uh, Adam blew it. So we need to understand that as a children, if we're going to train them in the right way, God's way, the righteous way of living, we need to not only know ourselves, but they need to know them too, that listen, you're going to be in a war. There's going to be a part of you that just wants to say, no, my, yeah, right. Now what the problem is, guess what society feeds? It's all about self, right? What are the messages from our world today? You need to share. You need to think about others more than you. You know what I'm saying? Hey, the customer is not always right. Sometimes you do get it wrong and it was your fault. Take ownership of that. <laughs> no, it's all the opposite stuff. It's all about self, 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 self. So we feed that, unfortunately, in our kids. Let's continue on. What does the Bible say about the spiritual standing of a child at birth? Well, we're born a sinner. Uh, this is an important question considering that secular psychologists tell us that the child is born with a clean slate. And his environment will primarily determine whether he grows up as a productive member of society or as a criminal. Again, it becomes, listen, it wasn't my fault, right? And what they have is, you're good, you're awesome, you're incredible, nothing wrong with you. There's no rebellious nature in you, ha, ha, ha. But you know what? In fact, if something bad does happen, then we just gave you the ultimate excuse. You can blame your environment. It wasn't my fault. My parents made me do it. Or the neighbor made me do it. Or what? And again, you could have negative influences, but does that teach kid to own up to their behavior? No. They say, oh, you're awesome, but if you do something wrong, it's not your fault. Right? That's the problem when you don't get to this core issue that, no, we're born as a sinner, a child. Okay? He says this. He said, if a child is born with a clean slate, their reasoning might be true, but if they're beginning with a faulty understanding of the child's nature, and they are, then their theory what? collapses now since our world is so saturated with anti-biblical thinking i love that it's not just a, a, a different world view the world view that's in our world today is not just different from the bible it's anti-bible have you noticed that anti-god anti-christianity anti-bible that's the world that we live in even christians though here's the problem are buying into such philosophy it is important for us to see what the bible says about the nature of the child as he or she begins life okay and, and it's a very important issue uh it's a sensitive issue i don't know about you but before i got saved as a christian hey if somebody said to me you're a sinner you know those are fighting words right and don't you call me a sinner because what we're trained by society that no you're awesome you're the greatest thing since sliced bread mm, don't you love me too i love me i said baloney right in fact uh, one pa i had to share this one pastor actually uh <laughs> i'm not making this up this is a true story uh, he was trying to talk about this, right, in the church. And listen to what he said. He, he, this is his first Sunday, his first Sunday in a, a new church, and he was presenting the children's message, okay? And this particular new church that he was at had some really awesome, tons and tons of stained glass windows uh, decked out, okay? And so he, he kind of catered his message around that and uh, centered on how each of us is called to help make the whole picture of life uh, you know, the community of the faithful. And, and he said, you know, like the pictures in the stained glass windows, uh, it takes many little panels of glass to make the whole picture. And then he said, see, to the kids, he said, see, each one of you is a, is a little pain. 
And then he starts pointing at each child, true story. He goes, and your little pain, and your little pain, and your little pain. And, I, and it, it took him a few moments before he realized why everybody was laughing so hard. You know what I'm saying? But uh, it's an important truth, okay? Because kids, guess what? Love them. You can be a little pain. Why? Because you're born with a rebellious in nature. And for those of us who re-recall, guess what? Same with us. Okay? We have to acknowledge uh, this issue. And if we don't, it's going to cause some pain. Okay? If you try to sit there and teach kids that you're awesome, you've got a clean slate, hmm, you're messing it up right from the get-go. Here he continues on in chapter 1 of the equipping of the saints, uh, the basics. We discuss the fact that we are totally depraved. Is your two blanks there. Totally depraved. Now, what's that mean? That means, it doesn't mean that you can't do something good, okay, because people want to cop on that. You can do good things, but as far as earning merit with God, goodness like God, sorry, doesn't work, okay? You cannot earn your way to heaven. You'll never be as good as God, and even the good things we do are oftentimes tainted, right? Well, don't you know that I gave $55 million to the uh, new construction project, blah, blah, blah? Well, that'd be great if you did it truly out of the kindness of your heart. But uh, the only way you were going to give that cash is you wanted to make sure that you had that statue out front and that big plaque and you had to have a news conference and tell everybody how wonderful you... Is that truly for the glory of God? No, and that's what he says here on the next page there. He said, uh, Paul says this in Romans 182, there is none righteous, not even one. And this is Romans chapter three. We've seen this very many, uh, several times. There is none who understands. There is none, your next blank there, who seeks God. Okay. Uh, all have turned aside together they have become useless there is none who does good now again meaning good as trying to earn merit with god it just ain't going to happen uh because god's standard is perfection why because the bible says that god is not just holy he is holy he is holy he is holy it's the only attribute repeated three times in the scripture i don't think that's by chance Okay, that is for emphasis, is the biblical rule. He is holy, he is holy, he is holy, which means he is 100% perfect. Add it uh, further, he is 100% without sin. So if you want to make it to heaven, guess what? The standard isn't trying to find somebody else worse than you. That's the game we play, and we can do that. Because everybody always wants to cop on Hitler. At least I wasn't like Hitler, or a bank robber, <laughs> right? I'm sorry, the standard isn't, you can get to heaven as long as you beat out Hitler. God is a little better than Hitler, Hitler, Hitler. It doesn't say that. He is holy, he is holy, he is holy. That means 100%, right? There is no one who does good. No one can meet God's standard, is what Paul is saying. It's impossible. You're not getting there unless somebody who is holy, Jesus Christ, wants to forgive you 100%. Okay, that's the way you get there. There's none who does good. There's not even one. There, listen to this. Underline this word. The throat, this came out when I was reading through this. The throat is an open grave. Wow, that sounds pretty, pretty graphic, right? You guys ever find a big old bloated dead carcass? I mean a good one, right? It hasn't been there too long to where it's like dried and crispy, but there's still some good goo in that thing. You know what I'm saying? And those things that you thought were rice from a distance actually are moving, and that's not rice. That's right, Jeanette, it's maggots. <laughs> and it's starting to, but there's still a good goo going on. And you can see inside the carcass because it swelled up and popped. Like that, ooh, I like that, I like this microphone, popped. And, and so, it, it, oh, ooh, it's open, it's like, ugh, ugh, oh. You got the visual now? That's the throat. That's what he's using. It's, it's like a, ugh, ugh. Whoa, that's number one. He said, now listen, with their tongues, underlying tongues. You got throat, you got tongues. They keep deceiving. 
The poison of asps is under their lips, underlined the lip. Okay, interesting. Anybody ever get uh, bit by a snake? Anybody glad they haven't gotten bit by a snake? Okay, but you ever see those shows? I don't know, whatever venom it is, rattlesnakes or the really poisonous ones. And you can just like, oh, it starts out that. And it literally rots the flesh. And it's just, it's all swollen up and bleh, and, bleh, and they might, uh, it just looks like, looks like that roadkill thing, except now it's your arm. Okay, uh, it's going on. And that's what he's saying. He says, it's, it's just the, the, now, now your mouth, your throat is bleh, bleh, right? And, and then now, now your lips are bleh. Okay, listen, whose mouth, there's another one, underlying mouth are full of cursing and bitterness. And now, here's a different one. Their feet, a different body part. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their path. This is very interesting. Now, when he brings out, he's, wanting, he's bringing out some pretty graphic descriptions, right? Here's why. I don't care who you think you are, how good you think you are. Listen, you're a born of sinners. Everybody's a sinner. Unless something changes through the grace of God, through Jesus Christ, you're going to get what that sin deserves. Eternal wages is death uh, and hell right? Why? Because you might think you're good. Yeah, you didn't do what Hitler did. You didn't do what some serial murder did. But listen, your throat is an open grave. Your tongue is deceitful. You got this poison snake thing come out of your mouth, your lips, and your mouth is just full of this cursing and bitterness and blah. And oh, by the way, and your feet are swift to shed blood. You, 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 You move quick to do damage. Now, what was interesting is if you notice when he's bringing out this graphic, here's why. Nobody's going to stand before God and say, oh, it wasn't that bad. Notice it's four to one. The odds, there, the description. The four things he mentions right off the gate all had to do with your mouth. One was your feet or your behavior, right? Now, we could preach big time on this one, but what is one of the biggest things, James talks about this. What's one of the biggest things that get us in the biggest trouble? Your mouth, your throat, your lips, your tongue, your words, is what he says. God hears it all, he sees it all. No one is righteous, no, not one. He says this, and destruction and misery in their path. No wonder, look what you're doing, all right? And the path of peace they have not known, there is no fear, is your blank there, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Why do people continue to do this stuff? Why do they continue to do this with their mouth and with their behavior? And it's just on and on, and it doesn't stop, and it's bleh, 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 causing destruction wherever they go with their mouth and their feet, and they're quick to do it, and I'm going to do it here and there. Why? Well, I think you forgot something. Did you know that God watches all this stuff? Did you know that God is omnipresent? Do you know that God sees everything? Did you know that God sees in the dark? Did you know that God sees the, quote, secret meetings, that there are no such thing as a secret meeting with God? Did you know that God can go through any door? Do you know that God has webcams everywhere, so to speak? He sees it all. He hears it all. We talked before, one of the big breakthroughs, when a guy was a missionary in Papua New Guinea, and is trying to reach the natives there, and they had their spirits, uh, the animism that they worship, the demon spirits and stuff, and he wasn't really making much headroads into that community. And uh, I've shared this uh, several times before, but he uh, had talked about the big breakthrough for them because they would always try to get him, but their, their spells and their incantations and all the dirty deeds wouldn't work. God would fizzle them out, right? And then they finally tried another one, and the, the tribe came to his house and was trying to really uh, frighten him, his hut really, him and his wife and child there. And uh, basically he told him, he says, listen, uh, because they came to him because every time they did something to him, something happened to them in return. Their pigs died, their crops failed, 
Every time they tried to touch the missionary, God got them back in return. And so they finally started to see a pattern go on here. And they came to him and says, listen, what's going on here? What kind of God do you serve, right? And he says, well, my God's the one and only God. And he's the God who's above all, the whole universe. And then he said the phrase, that he, whether he realized what he was saying. He says, and he's, because they, oftentimes they do th- these things at night. He says, and he sees in the dark. And that's where, you know, they, 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 they whoa. You mean we can't hide from him? He sees, every, yeah. And he says, at that point, once they understood that fear that God sees everything, he hears everything. What's going on here? He sees it all. If we realize that even today, would we say half the things that we say? Would we do half the things we do? Well, guess what? He does see and hear it all, right? Isn't that wild? Here's what he says. He says, now in addition, Paul tells them in 5.12, therefore, just as through one man, sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin, right? Paul tells us that as a result of Adam's sin in the garden, all of mankind was plunged into sin, right? What is sin? That's a Christianese word. Our world hates it. They know that it's got like a bad connotation to it. But what is it? Okay. Uh, disobeying, I, I, you know, it's the classic, you know, the church analogy, sin, S-I-N. What's in the middle of that word? I. That's really what it is. I, me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity again. I will do what I want. It's that, I just call it the rebellious nature, okay, that each one of us have. Now, it's easy even for the non-Christians to demonstrate that they too have a sin nature, a rebellious streak. Because you could put this challenge before them. Just 24 hours. I'm just asking you 24 hours. Do nothing, say nothing, think nothing wrong. Just for one day. Just one day, man. I'm, just, now I'm not asking a week. I'm not even asking a month. Just one day. Do nothing wrong. Prove that you don't have that. It doesn't work. They know, if they're honest. Okay, and that's what he says. He says, listen to this. He says, in fact, if this were not the case, listen, it would nullify... Is your blank there? Nullify the need for the cross of Christ, right? If we truly came to earth, born on earth, uh, born you know, as a child, if we came with a clean slate, we were good, why do we need Jesus? Right? Why do you go to the cross? Why do you even mess with that? What's the whole, what's the whole purpose of the cross? Why are we even here as Christians? Why are we followers of Christ? Why don't we just follow ourselves as we march our way into heaven and earn our way and demonstrate that we're great? You see, this is a big issue. It not only will hose up your attempts as a parent to train your child in the way you should go in righteous living, but it undermines everything. The cross, everything. Okay, let's continue on. I love this. It also means children. Okay, much as you love them, children right listen to this i love this uh, jay ver mcgee was fond of saying listen babies are cute but they are just little sinners right just little sinners sinners as you blink there david stated this way behold i was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me david understood that he was born in sin and that when he sinned he was following his sin nature okay that's where it came from with this in mind we understand that children are born with a natural bent is your blank there a natural bent, okay, or propensity to sin. They do not have to be, listen, they don't have to be taught to disobey their parents, right? And you say, you know, Rebecca, she's just so awesome. She's never made a mistake. And, and, but she's feeling kind of left out with the rest of the kids, uh, you know what I'm saying, in society. 
So I think today uh, she was really doing her due diligence. She was reading articles on how to really mess up, how to sin. And uh, she was going to, to, to sin.com. Don't go there because that might actually be a website, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> you never know nowadays. I mean, seriously. And uh, uh, I'm even afraid to say uh, wackyconspiracyguy.org because that's probably, I said that one many times before. Um, but, uh, uh, but anyway, so, and she's just trying her best just to try to somehow get this concept down of just, I really need to blow it. No, they don't, we don't need, they don't need articles. There is, they don't need to read a blog. Uh, believe it or not, they can get it without going to Facebook and having a post there, okay? And uh, they, they, they are, are not, have to be taught to disobey or to selfishly cling to toys or to not share. They do this, underline this, naturally. Here's the flip side. Here's where the parenting comes in. It isn't just saying, kids, you're just being rebellious and you got to sit in nature and you know they need our help. This is where the parent side comes in. And this, I say, is what's absent from a lot of households today, is they don't follow through on this aspect. They will only, quote, learn to obey. Underline that. They, they, they don't need to be taught to disobey. They don't need to learn how to disobey. That comes naturally. But they do need to learn to obey and share uh, if taught. They only will happen if we take the time to train them, to teach them, uh, to do that. Uh, as God is involved in the process of disciplining and instructing us, right? Spiritually, anybody ever been taught anything by God? Right? Hebrews 12, read that. We've said that many times, right? And, and so, because we all know that when it comes to the Christian life, that, uh, hey, we, we got this thing licked. Man, any changes we need to make, we own up to it every single time. We acknowledge it. We don't rebel against God ever. And man, we just wake up one day and say, yeah, I'm going to be a great Christian. No, it doesn't happen that way, right? Because we still, even as adults, deal with that sin nature, that rebellious nature. And so what does God do as our Heavenly Father, our awesome parent, capital P? He gives you a spanky-wanky when you get out of line, right? He loves you enough. Listen, He's more concerned about our character than He is about our comfort, right? And it's the same thing because He is parenting us. We have become His child. And he lo- He'll spank us. He'll do whatever He does to bring that spanking. Or encourage us or instruct us. And He instructs us in the Word, in the Bible, that's our training, that's our discipline, okay, as we grow up to be a godly child for Jesus Christ, okay, so God's involved in the same thing, so parents are called on to discipline and instruct their children so that they will learn to control their natural sinful tendencies, okay, now, uh, let's take a look, we might just only make it through this first one, but uh, it says, uh, are there any commands directly to children, does the Bible really talk much about kids? Yes, Pastor Billy, we're really motivated tonight. Thank you, Sonia, for that motivating speech there. Uh, yes, there is, okay? And especially when it comes to this issue of children-parents relationship, okay? The first thing you're going to see in your blank there is kids need to obey, right? You need to obey your parents, right? And, of course, there's a caveat here, like we saw with the role of the wife, Right? If your husband's asking you to do something ungodly, well, I guess I gotta go rob that bank. He told me to get some cash. No. You know, you don't need to do that. And as a kid, if your parent asks you to do something like that, no, that's common sense, okay? But in general, you need to obey your parents. Did you know it's not against the law to ask your kid to do the dishes? Okay, let's talk about this. I either hit a nerve or we're in planet Mars or something. Did you know that, parents? Did you know that? 
Did you? My, my, man, my dad's philosophy was pretty simple. You want to eat? Start doing some chores. Oh, by the way, did you know I never, I didn't get an allowance. I wasn't paid. It was a privilege of, you like those clothes? You like that food you're eating? Huh? You like having a shelter to sleep under? Even though this one house we lived to in, uh, if we slept out in the back porch, because we didn't have air conditioning in Kansas, in this one house, and he slept on this uh, back porch, this screen porch. But we called it a screen porch, but of course it had holes and all kinds of stuff in it. And um, every once in a while, my brother and I would be sleeping out there because it was somewhat cooler than the inside of the house. We're out there, and you sleeping. You know, and we got like allergy problems, so we sleep with our mouths open. Right? And every once in a while at night, you're up there and go, Daddy long legs. Yeah. Now you know why. I had a rough life. I had to eat spiders to stay alive, Jenna. And I made it. God took us through it all. Okay, but anyway. So, but, uh, but no, you, hey, you want to eat? That's the way I grew up, man. You, you, it's, man, my, my dad was the same way. He was at seven years old. He went to work with his dad doing construction, uh, laying concrete. Uh, farming, farming, you're doing farming? Hello, that's easy work. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> just doing, that's just the way we grew up, man. Uh, you work your tail off, okay, uh, back there, at least in the Midwest. And I'll never forget coming out here to California that first year uh, after growing up in that environment and with my cousins. I'm going, man, you guys are a bunch of whiny crybaby. You don't know what it is to work, man. It's like, man, whatever. So, but that's just the issue here. You, see, you need to obey your parents. It's not, it's okay. Did you know it's okay to help around the house? Uh, in fact, it's appropriate. We're a family, right? You, you're old enough, right? I'm sorry, your arm's not broke. You can take out the trash. Is that being a bad parent? Absolutely not. It's teaching them responsibility. What we're talking about, the ultimate goal is you're also preparing your child, listen, to get ready for their adulthood being alone in the world, right? And if they grow up to be lazy and disrespectful and rebellious, do you think it's going to stop as soon as they get on their own? No. So how well did we really do as a parent? This is not, society says, oh, you're interfering with their self-love and self-esteem. You can't tell them. They just have to naturally go, What? No, I need to train them. They need to obey. And we're a family. This is a household. You need to clean up your room. You need to be responsible. You need to, well, at least out here, you don't have to worry about it. Isn't anybody glad? I'm still rejoicing over the fact that I haven't mowed a yard in two and a half years. See, you don't get that unless you had a bunch of grass. And you're one day off that you're always mowing the yard. But I'm not bitter about it. I'm glad. About Vegas, Woo, yeah. Okay, but you, know, you can find something else, right? They can go trim the bushes if you got a bush here in Vegas. I don't know. And wipe the rocks down. I don't know what. But they do something to help around the house. It's not wrong. You need to obey your parents. Now, here's what he says. We we return now to Ephesians five, and here's what it says: Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is what. This is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Now listen, the, the, the obey word there is uh, hupakuo. It's a really cool Greek word, okay? Uh, hupa, well, it's hoop and then akuo. Okay, akuo is actually where we get the word acoustics. Okay, and so the, the, the root of this word is the, uh, listen, acoustics, like a speaker, you're listening, listening, right? Acoustic. Okay, hupakuo, and it means to listen, to hearken, to obey, to a command, like the duty of a porter. Yes, sir, Captain, sir. What else would you like me to do, Dad? I took out the trash, just like you said, with a great attitude, by the way. Anything else I can do to help around the house? See, if our kids don't have that attitude, 
It isn't just their fault. That's our job, guys, to train them. And if they don't want to bend to that which is right, that's where the discipline comes in. Why? Because we're so... No, because we're preparing them. Okay? Scripture says, if we get that far, that if you don't discipline your child, you hate your child. Because they're going to grow up to be rebellious, not just in the house, they're going to continue on the way in society. How did you love your child by doing that? By doing nothing. You need to love them enough to intervene. Okay, for their own good. He says this, he says, uh, uh, in our passage, the term for child is tekna. It's a broad term used to refer to uh, any offspring. Obey there in the Greek means to follow, to be subject to. Uh, again, it's a compound noun, hupakuo, from hupa uh, meaning under, and akuo meaning to hear. So the child is to get under the parent's authority by listening. Man, that's always easy with kids. Yeah. Uh, listening and heeding. There's two parts to that. Not just the listening, but you need to listen and then what? Do. Right? Why? Because do you think that when they get out of your care, out in society, that uh, uh, they, people will actually uh, give them orders? Like an employer? Or if they go in the military? Or if they go to college under a teacher, a professor? Or if they didn't make it through that stoplight, an officer? Or, uh, and so what they've been trained in the house is, yeah, I'll listen, but I don't have to do. How long are they going to do that in society without some serious punishment? Right? Okay, so we need to do it. It starts in the home. The parent-child relationship is, in a sense, the foundational relationship on a human level to a healthy society. If a child has been trained to have a reverence and respect for his parents, that child will have little problem having a reverence and respect for the authority of his teachers, policemen, government leaders, sergeant, and Ruth's not here, but I'll still say it anyway, et. He'll be able to respect et. Okay, now... On the spiritual level, that child will grow up with a reverence and respect for God and his word. On the other hand, the child that is not trained and disciplined to obey his parents will have difficulty, uh, a difficult time respecting authority of who? Anyone. Why in the world is our world so rebellious? Period. Not just against God, but against anybody. Don't you tell me what to do. It's about me, and it's about what I want. In fact, I'm getting so wicked, the society, that if I want those pair of shoes, I'm going to kill you for them. We've got kids doing that today. Kids, not adults, kids. What's going wrong? Society says, no, you're great, you're awesome. And if you do something wrong, it's not your fault. You know what? It's too bad. You know what? Society should have made sure that you got those $500 pair of shoes. It's our fault. No. Your fault. You need to own up to that. But where did that attitude start? Guess what? I'm not, I'm, it's, not, it's a two-way street. I'm not trying to blame it all on the mom and dad because each individual has to be individually responsible for the behavior. But I'm telling you, it comes back to this, guys. Train in the home. Starts in the home. That's the classroom. Starts in the home. All right, let's continue on. He says, this should not be surprising since every child is born into this world in rebellion towards God and must be regenerated and trained, is your next blank there, to think and act otherwise, right? This is why the scripture says, Romans 12, renew your mind with the word of God, right? To be trained, to do it God's way. Why? This is why it's so fantastic with the Iwana ministry. What is the heartbeat of the Iwana ministry right next door with all those kids? They're being trained to commit to memory the word of God, right? That's what we need to be doing as adults. But we have a program in place to where they can be trained to renew their minds now to counteract the baloney out there, the word of God, 
to do it God's way, to think it God's way. All right? How serious is this command for a child to obey his parents? And how important? Well, listen to these Old Testament passages. Let's take a look at there. It says this, And he who strikes his father or mother shall surely... Whoa, surely's pretty serious nowadays. No, she's not here. That word is surely, S-U-R-E-L-E-Y. Wow. When she comes here Sunday, you better give her a hug and a handshake. She ain't messing. No, I'm wrong, Shirley. That's a good one. Surely be put to death. Whoa. And he who curses his father or mother shall surely be put to death. Exodus 21. If there is anyone who curses his father or mother, he shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother, and his blood guiltiness is upon him. Leviticus 20, Proverbs 20. Cursed is he who dishonors his father or mother, and all the people shall say, Amen, or so be it. Whoa. Listen to this one. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or his mother, and when they chastise him, he will not even listen to them, then his father and mother shall seize him, bring him to the elders of the city in the gateway of his hometown. They shall say to the elders of the city, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He's a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to life, to death, or, and you shall remove the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and what? First of all, anybody glad that we're no longer under the old covenant? If we were, I'd be in hell right now because I was a rebellious son and I would have, if this was in place in our society, I would have been stoned to death and never had accepted Christ as my Savior, right? Praise God for the new covenant. Okay, but, the, but the, the issue that's here is what he's saying is, what, what, I, notice the word he says, just doesn't put him down. He says, here's the, here's the premise of this back in the old covenant. Remove the evil from your midst. Have you noticed when your kids hang out with, they, they might not be, they're not perfect, but if they start hanging out with another rebellious kid, guess what sometimes happens? Rubs off. And that's what he's saying. This might sound pretty harsh to us in the old covenant, but this is a societal issue. Because if you let one rebel go unrestrained, it doesn't stop there. It's going to affect somebody else and then somebody else and then somebody else and somebody else. Now, and he says, you've got to get that out of your midst. Why? It's going to affect your society. Can I tell you that's exactly what's going on today? Kids are not being trained. They're not being disciplined. Anybody ever used to be disciplined even in public school? Anybody ever had your principal get you? I got it quite a few times. And he had this big, it was like a heater room, man. Praise God they didn't have Freddy Krueger movers out before them because there's this old heater room, the boiler room, man. They'd take me back there and he had this big old giant paddle and somehow it was supposed to be better because it had a bunch of holes drilled in it. Excuse me, I think that was just for whistling for their entertainment. I don't know what they were doing, okay? And, uh, but uh, you can't do that nowadays. Not only in the home you can't discipline kids, but in, and so now what do we do? Well, I tell you what, we, we just can't touch them, Right? what and he said get, get rid of that rebellion you got to do something about or it's going to spread and what's what do we got today it's spreading okay he said this last command may sound extreme but it brings out very clearly the fact that the child who grows up a rebellious to his parents will be a rebel to society that's what he says there although these commands were part of the law Praise God, they're not enforced today. They still echo, though, the fact that the child who does not learn obedience to and respect for the authority of his parents will become an adult with a rebellious nature. Since a child is born in sin, he must be, here it is again, trained to obey. 
trained to obey. Several proverbs sum this up. Uh, responsibility of parents, as well as stating the positive and negative results of neglecting diligent application, proper training, and discipline. Okay, God's word states this. He who spares his rod, what? Society says, you're doing the right thing. That's the best thing you can do for your child. Polar opposite of what God's word says. He who spares his rod hates his son. You refuse to discipline your child. And let them do their own thing. You don't love them. Because you're not doing what you're called to do as a parent. You need to intervene. You need to bring discipline. But he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Not willy-nilly. You take this very serious. Hey, if it's 15 times a day, it's 15 times a day. Diligently is a key word there. Discipline your son while there is what? Hope. Have you tried to discipline your kids after you didn't discipline your kids for the first 15 years? Doesn't mean don't do it. Beat your sharp stick in the eye. How many guys love that saying? I love that saying. Orson, that's a Kansas thing, right? You get it, Rod. I got two Kansas guys here. In stereo. Akuo. Okay, anyway, I digress. But uh, hey, you, hey, try something. Beats nothing, right? But man, if you would have started earlier. Okay, but if you haven't done it, do it now. Because it'll only get worse. At least uh, uh, start now. And he says, uh, while there's still hope, and do not desire his death. Uh, in other words, listen, you, you don't do it, you might as well say, hey, yeah, go out there and get in trouble and get killed. Because somebody's not going to put up with your baloney. Right? That's what, what you're doing. Uh, do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you beat him with the rod, he will not die. Now, this is important. It, it uses kind of strong words, beat him. And society, as soon as they say, oh, see the Bible, it's an antiquated book. The Bible teaches child abuse, physical. No, it doesn't. Uh, notice it says there, uh, he will not die. Okay, uh, have you guys noticed that it's very interesting how God has designed our bodies, okay, young and old alike, that if you, if you look on the side here, if you turn sideways, including your kids, right about the middle part of the human body, there's this bulbous fatty tissue, right? And it's kind of, you know, there, and it doesn't mean you got to bruise a kid or something like that. Of course not. The Bible's not saying that. It doesn't mean that you got to leave giant welts. And I think sometimes, unfortunately, if you guys have ever grown up in a household, that sometimes your parents overdo it. Okay? But it doesn't mean throw the baby out the bathwater. Now don't do nothing. Okay? I think sometimes we make knee-jerk reactions. But, you know, sometimes you got to, you know, hey. Right? I remember one time when I was the biggest one, Billy, he still had diapers. I don't even hurt him or nothing, whatever. Okay? But just, he was, gosh, what was he, what, Three? And he pulled out all the videos in the cabinet. All of them, right? All the cartoon bits, all. Made a big old heaping pile on the floor. All, the whole thing, right? I said, pick them up now. Yeah. No, Billy, you need to pick them up. Put them back, okay? Yeah. This is a little, yeah, right? And so I just, you know, picked him up. He's still in his little diaper. He hurt him. I just think more of a, sh- oh. I said, all right, now pick up the videos. Yeah. All right. 31 times. Diligent. No, I wasn't like, okay, now you're just still consistently. No, and guess what? I'm the one who's in charge. And if it takes me 31 times, you're going to do what you're supposed to do. That's what's missing, okay? And he says this, that, uh, you're not gonna, it's not going to die. Correct your son, he'll give you comfort, he'll delight your soul. The scripture says, Proverbs 29, as we've seen children come into the world, top of page 184, with a sin nature and a natural bent towards evil, and they are totally self-centered individuals. Totally self-centered. Why? Well, Lord willing, we'll get to that next week 
And then Lord willing, hopefully, we'll get her done. You guys want to try it? You smell it? Even on the way here, I was salivating over the thought. Because intro to apologetics, we're dealing with apologetic stuff. So we, where we learn to apologize very effectively. I'm sorry I'm a Christian. I'm sorry I'm a Christian. No, it's the wrong thing. Apologia to give a defense for it. Right? And we get to get into some really cool issues. A proof for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Proof for the existence of God. Uh, anybody ever hear of a lie called evolution? And I'm sitting there going, oh, you guys have never gone through all the pre-flood evidence for the pre-flood society that was distorted at the flood. Did you know that there's actual videos, there's actual photographs of underground cities that are deluged on the ocean that they're not telling you about? You see, if there was a pre-flood society, then you would expect that there's some evidence of something somewhere. There's whole cities underground that they're not telling you about. Got actual video uh, clips of that. Uh, there's artifacts that they find buried in coal. How did they get in coal? I thought that took millions and mi- No, that was formed at the flood with all the intense pressures going on, okay? What in the world are golden bells? What are dolls being found? Gold necklaces, utensils. What, what are those being found in coal seams all over the world? What's going on with all that stuff? What really happened to the dinosaurs? Oh, I'm just, I can't. Anybody want to get into that stuff? So that's coming up, uh, Lord willing, uh, eventually. But let's go ahead and let's pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple of things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not... How can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, The the Ten Commandments, the the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, Even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, 
Okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the Scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step, to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judge has said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know, it's actually on historical record, that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty, and they've refused to take it. And so, even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us, this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey, folks, if that's you, don't delay You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is the Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave. And the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate 
to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.